You're listening to the Cloud Lounge Podcast, a show about business, technology, and all that jazz. Brought to you by Soft Landing, a leading IT service provider in Canada. Let's get started. Here's your host, Zeeshan Randawa. Welcome to the Cloud Lounge. I'm your host, Zeeshan. One of the stories we try to tell with the Cloud Lounge is how technology can transform the way people work, uh, how they communicate, collaborate, all that kind of good stuff. And this can be across a variety of industries. A great example where we have been able to see immense technology growth and real digital transformation is the education sector, in which is not people kind of sitting in a typical office, but more like teachers and staff and students learning and, and of course, teaching. And that's what we want to talk about today. We want to take a look at how the education sector is leveraging technology to enhance learning and empowering staff and, of course, students. According to Grandview Research, the education technology market is forecasted to grow at a compound annual growth rate of almost 20% globally until 2028. Uh, with the pandemic, we did see a major makeover on what a classroom looked like for students, of course. Uh, but this has been an ongoing evolution above and beyond the pandemic. And even though we have thankfully seen students return to their traditional classrooms in many cases, uh, remote learning and education technology uh, continue to remain at the forefront of the education sector. So at the end of the day, hopefully technology or the evolution of technology centers around uh, issues or opportunities that people run into. That's what you're kind of basing your uh, technology transformation around. And based on this, uh, I think it's imperative to start by exploring what these issues and opportunities are within the education sector. And a great way to do that is by diving into a study undertaken by Salesforce. This study surveyed over a thousand students and over a thousand staff in North America, Europe, and Australia. And there's a few different things we were able to learn from this. So firstly, over 70% of both students and staff consider that maintaining their well-being remains a challenge. 59% of students and 53% of staff say that the gap in trust between them and leadership is due to none other than a lack of consistent communications. And then coming to the topic of flexible learning, 43% of students and a larger 54% of staff prefer hybrid courses where there's an online and in-person element of teaching. And this last one stat in particular hits home because I hear this almost across all clients and industries that I, I deal with, uh, 31% of staff say that their institution uses multiple technology systems which makes it difficult for them to obtain the data and information to do their jobs effectively. So as you can see, there are some substantial opportunities here, and yet one in five schools across North America don't have an IT strategy or plan to address these issues and opportunities. So I want to switch gears and talk about some of the genuine change or evolution that's being introduced in the education sector. And I want to do that by talking to our guest for today, Brad Klink. Brad is the Manager for Professional Services and Consulting at IBM K-12 um, Education Canada. And this topic is what Brad lives and breathes. So I'm excited to welcome him to the Cloud Lounge podcast. Welcome, Brad. Thank you for having me, Zishan. So Brad, naturally, I think a good place to start is what are the current technology trends in the education sector? What are you seeing out there? What are you responding to uh, when it comes to some of the, the needs you're seeing in that education uh, industry? Sure. So there's a lot of things that are happening these days. Um, 
I think, you know, going coast to coast across Canada is one way we can look at it. And we're definitely seeing, if we start at the West in British Columbia, lots of things happening around Microsoft licensing. There's a number of districts that are really trying to be proactive, investing in things like Microsoft A5 licenses. And this is opening up new uh, possibilities and software for them. Um, we're seeing lots of districts looking at things like Microsoft Defender for Endpoint and taking advantage of some of these enhanced security features. Uh, so some really good things that are happening there and, and really sort of promising, uh, offering some, uh, again, better return on investment for school districts when they invest in these licenses. Um, you know, moving across the country, some other trends that we're certainly seeing, um, lots of focus on business process streamlining, which is really something different. Uh, a lot of the work that we've done has really been focused on you know, how do we enable technology in the classroom? How do we help IT teams be better and optimize their processes, things of that nature? There's been a bit of a shift lately where we've had a number of districts across the country come to us and say, we know we have a problem with some of our business processes. We're, our finance and our HR and our payroll, some are using paper-based and, and processes that don't integrate with each other. We're doing dual entry. Uh, how do we fix that? How do we do that? So it's sort of interesting as IT professionals. Um, it's a little bit outside of our wheelhouse in a sense because it's process-based, but it's also right in our wheelhouse because we understand how the technology works. And some of the challenges that we see are that districts want to do things their own way. But the workflow from a technology perspective, a vendor creates a product. The product is supposed to follow step A, step B, step C. Well, school districts say, well, I want to do B first. And then I want to do A and then I want to do C. So there's this sort of matching of processes to the technology that they have and working through some of these different pieces. So it's definitely a trend that we're seeing more and more of. And I think it, it might be triggered by the pandemic a little bit in that, you know, districts all across Canada and all across the world were forced, were forced to really pivot very quickly when this uh, all happened switch to working remotely, abandon paper-based processes and figure out how to do things remotely and digitally and things like that. And, and some districts did really well and others certainly have struggled. And I think now they're trying to go back and be proactive or I suppose reactive in a sense too, uh, but going back and, and trying to fix some of these, these challenges. So we've seen a lot of interest in that. You know, there's different districts looking at new ERP systems, which will tie these processes together. We've seen some RFPs come out for that recently, and just lots of interest in that area. So again, I would say that's a really interesting and different trend, something that in my 20 plus years in the education sector, honestly, really had never come across my desk before. So I think it's, uh, it's something that's promising. I think it's great, because efficiency is good for everybody, but definitely something that's different. Very interesting. So yeah, definitely, it sounds like folks are taking a, a look back inwards and behind the scenes and making sure that their processes are in line so that going forward, if, you know, again, God forbid something like this happens again, they're able to adjust quickly and, and kind of find the right path forward because they've got the processes in place. Exactly. I think that's it. And, and again, just this idea of if you can get these processes cleaned up, you can be more efficient, ultimately save some money, spend some money to save some money, that type of idea. So I think that's great. And, and I think that's where there are some differences too. Different districts across the country are structured different ways. So sometimes you get a person coming from a different industry, from you know business or corporate or things like that mm -hmm. into a school district. Mm -hmm. They view things differently. And sometimes that helps to drive this change that 
a school district which is run by people all from an education background, they do an awesome job educating kids, but they can struggle a little bit sometimes with some of these business process pieces because it's not what they're trained for. So that's where some of this cross-pollination of different industry professionals, you know, sort of shifting and, and coming into the education sector, I think has also been really beneficial as a whole. Excellent. Excellent. Some of the other things that we're seeing in terms of trends certainly is around cybersecurity. And again, this is nothing new. It's something that obviously has been happening for years, but it's definitely increasing and evolving. Big pushes for things like cybersecurity awareness training for staff, hardening systems such as backup, which unfortunately is often one of the first things that gets targeted by a bad actor uh, if they get into a school district, investing in disaster recovery, going through process things like incident response planning or business continuity exercises. So these are things that we're definitely seeing a much stronger focus on. I think it's tied to a number of different external factors. Obviously, there's more cyber incidents happening, unfortunately. Also, the insurance industry is, is driving this a little bit in that if a school district or any public sector entity wants to get insurance, the insurance industry is pushing back more to say, we need you to show more rigor. We need you to show us what are you doing and you know how getting your house in order to make sure you're protecting yourself so that we can ensure you confidently and feel that you're not a risk. The other external factor would be auditor generals or auditors and uh, auditor reports and things of that nature. Uh, we're definitely seeing more of a push uh, in Ontario in particular. I know the auditor general has been very active with a number of districts and trying to make sure that they're meeting certain standards and compliance. And I've seen it in other provinces recently as well. So definitely a stronger push from these external entities, which are driving changes in technology for school districts. Excellent. One of the other things that we are seeing some interest in is around automation and analytics. Uh, there's a number of districts right now that are, are looking to pilot the Microsoft Power Platform. Again, we're seeing this in BC right now, but we all, we're all we also seeing this in other provinces across the country. So there's Power Automate, there's Power Apps, there's Power BI. There's a variety of different things that this platform offers. And most districts, because they have Microsoft licensing, again, they're aware of it or are starting to become more aware and, and looking to take advantage of it. Um, there are some additional licenses often required for this, but again, there's some power that can be put in place here to streamline workflows, to eliminate paper, to visualize data better for educators to be able to look at it and see some trends. So there's some really powerful pieces that are available in this suite. Some of it is sort of low-hanging fruit and a little bit easier for a district to potentially jump in and, and start testing and playing around. Some of it can be very complex depending on the workflow. And that's where we're seeing districts come to us and saying, how can you help with this? Here's what we want to do. And we can work backwards with them to help design a solution. And that's where we work with partners like Soft Landing. Uh, so we're doing a number of projects in BC right now on this specifically. Yeah, and so it sounds like it, this this kind of all ties back to what you were saying earlier, Brad, where, uh, you know, people are really taking a focus internally and, and focusing on uh, improving business processes. And what's a great way to do that and to automate some of those business processes uh, where it makes sense. Absolutely. And to take advantage of some of these tools that are potentially already available or they can just add on for an extra cost. I think it's really good uh, investment for many districts and, and something that I think we're going to see more of. So, Brad, switching gears here, I'd love to talk about uh, how the lives of students are changing in the in the classroom setting. So, in your kind of opinion, how can technology promote student collaboration and engagement? Again, this this new setting. 
Yeah, it's a great question. I think there's a number of different things that have happened over the last couple of years that um, probably help to put some context around answering this. So before the pandemic, I think there was different streams of teaching where some teachers really focused on technology and some still did things sort of an older school way and, and uh, like the processes that they had. And what we found with that was there were varying different degrees of digital collaboration happening, um, you know, engagement varied. A student could go from one teacher who was really technology savvy to another that maybe wasn't as much. Uh, and, and again, today's students are very technology driven and interested in technology. So I think that does help to drive the engagement a little bit, you know, just having a device and things like that does get them excited a little bit. So kind of tying that back to the pandemic, what I think was sort of a forced shift in pedagogy was that it almost reset the playing field because with remote learning and different things like that, pretty well all teachers had to adapt and shift to digital and online learning uh, in some way, shape or form. And so mm -hmm. I think that's helped to create a bit more of a homogenous environment uh, where now, you know, for the most part, students in a district are using the same digital tools, a lot of the same workflows. I think some of these possibly reluctant uh, technology users embraced it a little bit more, got some good feedback from their peers, uh, and are starting to do the same things the same way. So from a student perspective, this creates, again, a more consistent environment. Um, it shifts things to digital. It makes it easier to collaborate online. And again, I think there's some trickle-down uh, effects in terms of engagement here. So some of the other changes that we saw for sure were around one-to-one -one student devices. Uh, I know districts all across the country scrambled to order devices, Winbooks, Chromebooks, iPads, whatever it was, they were trying to get devices to get that one-to-one -one out to a lot of their students, especially students that just didn't have their own technology uh, when they were forced to work from home uh, or learn from home, I, I should say. And so I think that has really helped with the engagement, but it also ties back to something that we've seen for a long time is that when a user, and I'll say owns in air quotes, but owns a device, they tend to take better care of it. So we found in the past that districts that had things like laptop carts or even labs to some extent, sometimes there were a higher number of broken machines or interoperable machines. Uh, you know, you get keys missing because the kid was maybe bored and popped the keys off uh, or things that just weren't handled with care, you know, a screen that was cracked, things like that. Moving to one-to-one, I think students are more invested in their device and ownership of that device. So we're seeing and we're hearing lower damage and failure rates. And I think that also helps to increase their engagement. You know, you hand a student device, this is yours, you own it. Now you can use it for all of these different things. I do think that helps. I think that helps and especially having a common device that they can all use. It also allows teachers to create some more fun digital activities, do some games and things like that. Excellent, excellent. One of the other things that we've seen happening is gamification in education. And this is something that's been happening for a while, but certainly we're seeing school districts embrace it a little bit more. And I think that's one of the, the new shifts. So educational apps, and I'll use Prodigy as an example, which is an app, you can download it on an iPad or a phone or things of that nature. And you know, for a kid playing the app, it's a role-playing game, an online RPG. Uh, where they, you know, get to create a character and they go through on quests and they fight bad guys and things like that. Uh, but when they battle, they're doing math questions. So it, it's really sort of clever ways to engage kids 
to get them using technology, to have that technology and those fun things that they like to do on a device, but also weave in some learning along the way and, and some skills building. And then what we've seen is some other schools having tech clubs or gaming clubs. We've seen high schools in particular focus on some high-end gaming labs here and there, You know, having clubs, even having almost courses built around it. I think we've quite seen that yet, but I could see that being something that comes a little bit more and sort of weaving in some of the software design elements and things of that nature with, let's dissect how this game works. Let's talk about this. Let's you know, figure out the mechanics of it and use that as a learning opportunity, which again, I think is really engaging for kids and also helping to prepare them for jobs of the future, uh, you know, in terms of where the market is going and and things of that nature. So I think there's lots of different positives and and ways that students can collaborate and engage today using technology. That's super interesting. So Brad, uh, earlier in the podcast, I visited this survey done by, or the study done by Salesforce, uh, in which they identified a bunch of issues and opportunities from the staff perspective and the teacher's perspective. I'd love to hear from you and your perspective on what are some of the main challenges that you hear about from teachers and staff or even, even students. Sure. Yeah, there, there's quite a bit that we hear about. In some of the work that we do, we end up doing surveys to districts to gather information and feedback and that includes staff and student surveys and we often do focus groups as part of our work as well so we do get a great chance to really talk to staff and students and understand what are their challenges what are their concerns what are barriers i think there's a number of things so off the top i often talk about access to technology and equity And that's back to sort of the concept around one-to-one devices that I spoke of before. Uh, In that type of a model, that access and that equity is taken care of. But in districts where they don't have that, there certainly are some challenges sometimes around, okay, we've got a cart, the cart shared by three or four different classrooms, people have to sign it out, people have to book it. Um, You know, one teacher is teaching a lesson one day and needs the cart, another teacher is teaching another day. Uh, and, you know, they can't get the cart because someone else has it. So there are some challenges around that. And these challenges often dictate, quite frankly, how much the technology is used. If you don't have access to it and you can't count on it to be reliable, then you're not going to use it as much. You're not going to base your lessons around technology. So we've seen that that trend for a long time. And in a lot of the work that we do, we, we try to help elevate that conversation higher up at the district level and make sure that they really understand those needs and and just talk about how do we make technology simple and reliable and how do we make sure that it's in the hands of users when they need it. So those are some of the key things. Um, But there's lots of other pressures on the education system today. There's lots of changes, you know, there's new curriculums that come out. Lots of people talk and joke about the new math curriculum that came out a few years ago and lots of different provinces adopted that. you know, the shift to digital learning, which obviously accelerated by the pandemic, as we talked about. And then there's other pressures like budget constraints. A number of different provinces have been talking for a while about there could be cuts coming, there could be some challenges. So I think IT departments are certainly cognizant of that. I think it hasn't quite trickled down to the staff level yet where teachers and and other school staff or board office staff uh, are aware of it. But I do think that there are some sort of efficiency operations that are happening in different places across the country trying to find better ways to do processes back to uh you know the erp systems and things like that how do we 
How do we clean up our processes? How do we save money internally? Because we don't want to take it away from the classroom. So there's certainly some pressures and challenges that happen there. And then challenges from the teacher side, I think there's lots of work that's been downloaded to teachers. And we keep hearing this over the last few years. And some of these challenges are unfortunately really quite serious and societal issues. Um, so when you look at a budget cut happens at a district, sometimes they cut the educational assistants, the EAs, guidance counselors, uh, mental health support professionals. So there's lots of different things that we've seen happening. And this puts more load on teachers and administrators to deal with behavioral issues, cyberbullying, mental health, and just other aspects of student well-being. And ultimately, these administrators and teachers aren't really trained for this. That's why they have specialists. So sometimes they're looking to technology to try to help them. But ultimately, this pressure is being added to the schools. And unfortunately, the, the pandemic and all the mental health pressures, things that came with it, have, have kind of exacerbated this. So we do hear that a lot from teachers and administrators out there, that there's there's lots of things that weren't you know a big problem. There's always discipline and things like that. But it has gotten more challenging in the last few years. And again, they're struggling to find solutions. So where I think this is important for us as IT professionals or as an IT community when we're working with school districts and educators is to be aware of it, understand their challenges, and to have empathy. Uh, you know, I talked about cybersecurity awareness training. We know it's a real threat. We need to, all staff to be trained. And teachers, again, have access to potentially sensitive personal information from students. So we do need them to be trained. We need to make them aware of phishing attempts and how to protect their data, the students' data, the district's data. But this is outside their wheelhouse, and they've got a lot on their plates. So it's a delicate balancing act, and that's something that I think is a real pressure on uh, staff in schools today. Yeah, I think you bring up a really amazing point. And, and where it's really important to understand the nuances of the world you're diving into if you are kind of a technology implementer or professional services provider. Uh, you know, understanding some of those core issues that you've identified, I think that's, that's really important as a part of any delivery. It really is. It's important to have that context and, and more and more these days because there are lots of these different pressures. And again, understanding the bigger picture that okay, there's governments and insurance companies and all these things putting pressure on the districts. The districts put their pressure on the users. The users have to do this training and they're already overloaded. It becomes really difficult to, to maintain it and to do it well. And so that's where we spend a lot of time as a team trying to help with this, trying to facilitate it, working with IT departments, working with unions, working with staff, trying to make them understand, here's what's really important, here's what we need to teach you, we understand your time, here's how we'll do it and be flexible, here's how we can do bite-sized little bits of training, things like that. So again, as an IT professional, it is really important to understand, you know, we often get so focused on our jobs and what we're trying to do that our end users have totally different pressures and, and things that they're dealing with. And it could be a student in crisis today and I don't have time to do training, I've, I've got to worry about this kid because I want to make sure they get home safe tonight. One of the other pieces around challenges that, that staff are facing in schools today goes back to, again, this concept of digital versus paper-based forms. And this is something that we've seen lots of different solutions that are out there. Sometimes districts are doing homegrown solutions. Sometimes uh, they're still using paper-based. Sometimes the school will just go out and say, I really just need a way for parents to pay for hot dog days. How do I do that? And so they can go out and you know just get a, a terminal so that people can pay for it in the office, that type of thing. So there's lots of different challenges that school staff face and teachers face in trying to coordinate these things. 
And again, it's this lack of consistency that we find is often the problem. So that's where we really try to focus on how do we get that sort of consistent digital data collection? How do we work with districts on eliminating paper-based systems, moving to digital, reducing duplication, and reducing dual entry of data? You've talked about uh, things like gamification and how that's kind of, you know, changing things and evolving and how you kind of, uh, you know, see that growing as well. I, I would love to, in closing here, get an idea of what your prediction is on the future of technology trends in the education sector. What do you see in your kind of magic, uh, magic ball? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it, it's always tough to predict. You know, you get some interesting things that really disrupt probably, what, 10 years ago now or eight years ago when Chromebooks came in. I mean, they were such a huge disrupting factor that nobody saw coming. But again, they, they've really changed the way that a lot of people can work and made one-to-one devices within reach. So I think things like that, you know, this, this trend towards one-to-one, I think is going to keep happening. Uh, I think it's fantastic. I really am a believer that when you give a student a device, they take better care of it. I think they have ownership. I think they're more invested. Uh, I think that does help with the engagement. And so I do see that trend continuing. And I think a lot of districts across the country are picking up on that. And not just students, for staff as well. Many districts have done this for 15 or 20 years, given staff laptops, whereas other districts because of the way they funded things. It just wasn't feasible. But I think we're starting to see the benefits of it and and some of that shift happening. So I really like that one. I think that one is great. I'm definitely seeing some really clever, creative products and solutions out there as well. Um, Things to help take on some of these challenges I mentioned earlier around student safety, whether it's tools to help monitor you know, if students are on the Wi-Fi network with their phones, there are some tools that can actually monitor some of the chat information and things that go back and forth. Of course, there's privacy issues that surround that as well, but there's also that, you know, what does that acceptable use policy look like? And if a student signs on and and they're accepting that, then, you know, hey, you get the free Wi-Fi at school, you can uh, text your friends. But there's some great benefits to this around helping to identify cyberbullying when it's happening. You know, some of these different mental health concerns or identifying a student in crisis potentially so it's a it's an interesting and sort of emerging area Uh, i think it is a bit of a gray area because of some of the privacy concerns Um, but i do think there are some real tangible benefits uh, just for student safety and, and for well-being and things like that so i could see this continuing to grow and then again i think that actually transitions right into the whole privacy conversation i think that's something that's just becoming more and more top of mind and relevant for districts across the country. They have all of this sensitive personal information on their staff, on their students. The unfortunate reality is they're being targeted by cyber criminals and they're trying to steal data all the time. So they really have to focus on protecting it. They have to really think about who has access to different types of data. How do we restrict the amount of data that people have if they don't really need it? just give them what they need and and really try to protect this SPI or sensitive personal information. So I think we're going to see a shift. I think the European Union has done a great job with the GDPR legislation around data privacy and security. Uh, I know as IBM, as an international company, it's something we're aware of and we get trained on. And we use that as our standard. And that's what I've started talking to a lot of districts across the country about is there is a a role that you absolutely have to play in protecting this data. And again, there may not be the same legislation here in Canada today, but it's probably going to be coming. 
So try to be proactive, try to get ahead of it, and really try to make sure you're protecting your users. And one other sort of disturbing trend that we've heard about, I haven't seen it specifically, but I've heard from other industry professionals is some of the cyber criminals are, are targeting student data because if they can get a, a SIN number, for example, they can apply for credit because the student is a, a greenfield entity from a banking perspective. They have no real history and no real credit. So you could get that and try to apply for credit. And you don't want some poor student coming out of high school, going to get their first job or credit card or car or whatever it is, suddenly realizing that they're a victim of cyber theft because something was stolen from their school district. So there's some really concerning societal you know, elements that, that come into play here. And that's where I really see that there's going to be some shifts in trends around data privacy and more awareness from a school district perspective. Brad, hearing from you on what you're seeing out in the field has been fascinating. Thank you so much for taking the time today to share your uh, perspective on uh, on the education sector. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And yeah, it's, it's a great opportunity just to talk about it and make sure that we increase awareness. So again, I really appreciate the opportunity to have me. You know, in delivering technology projects, it's sometimes easy to lose sight of the genuine change you're introducing and also taking a look at, you know, what the domino effect may be while you're introducing technology or or efficiencies uh, within an organization. Uh, And with our topic today, I'm thrilled to see the evolution of what it means to be in a classroom. I really would like to thank our guest again, Brad Klink, for opening us, exposing us to what he's seeing out in the field and really introducing some amazing concepts to us. Folks, this has been the Cloud Lounge. Until next time, take care.